I'm a storyteller. You're about to hear my favorite story of the year. Hang around. You speak, we listen. Conversations connecting people. This is the Chuck Williams Show. Good evening. We're doing it live. We haven't done that in a long time. Uh, Promised a story, and I'm about to give you one. This is a repeat guest. Our guest is Jonathan Shesky. We talked to him about a year ago, and he was leaving the U.S. Army after 20 years of service. Um, And now Jonathan is a year into his new career as a collegiate golfer. Jonathan, welcome. How's it going, man? I I miss Columbus, and I'm glad to be back for a little while. You've been in Memphis for the last year, and now you're you're back here. But if you – the previous podcast will be linked on this one. If you haven't listened to it, listen to it. It'll give you all the background. We'll go into it very quickly. But Jonathan was a U.S. Army sergeant, a uh, staff sergeant, right? Yep. Uh, 20 years, five combat tours, um, was with the SFAB um, doing, uh, doing, working in Afghanistan near the end of his career. And then somehow or another, when you leave the Army at age 39, 40, you got to transition into a second career. You chose college golf. I mean, are you glad you did it now? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, – well, and I'm still doing it, but I, I couldn't be happier about it. It was um, – number one, it delayed – what is still inevitable? Like eventually, I'm gonna have to act like an I'm gonna have to act like an adult and go get a real job, um, but I get to put that off for a little bit and do this. And like everybody's goal is like retire and play golf every day, right? Well, that's what I get to do at least for four years. So, so yeah, I'm I'm happy I did it. Um, I, I I realized a lot of things. I realized that I I didn't know as much about playing this game as I thought I did. That like the fall semester was rough, but I also realized how very little I paid attention in class in high school. It was, man, that first semester was was brutal. Like the late night staying up and studying and trying to figure out algebra for the second time in my life. Uh, it, only 20 years later was, it was a nightmare, man. Like it was, <laughs> there, were, there were times that like, I didn't doubt the golf part, but I was like, might've been a mistake to come back and do this college thing, man. This is tough. <laughs> and you, you went to Christian Brothers, uh private university in, uh, in Memphis, um, you were playing Division Two golf, and you know, in a pretty a pretty stringent academic environment. Um, why was the academics so hard? Well, I mean, it was for a couple of reasons. Number one, Christian Brothers is a really good school, um, and I will say this: you're you're in a smaller classroom environment there than you would be at like a state university or whatever, and so you're getting a lot more one-on-one time with professors and stuff like that. But they're tough. Like, they're tough on you. Um, <laughs> in the spring, I took my English 112, like English Comp 2. And the guy teaching the class is a Marine veteran. And with the first day of class, I walk in there and I meet this guy, and I'm like, I've got it made, man. This is, a, this is an easy A. I made a C in that class, Chuck. I was a terrible writer and had no idea. Mm-hmm. And this dude gave me no slack he helped like he, he offered all the criticism, the constructive criticism offered all the help in the world. I just stunk at it. Um, and he wasn't giving away grades, man. I think I I had like a 79.4 average in the class and, and like my guy wouldn't round it up. And I was like, all right, well, 
And so, yeah, I mean, it was just like academically, it's a, it's a tough school. Like it's a good school and they're trying to make sure you get a good education. Um, but the other part was that like, I hadn't sat in a classroom in over 20 years, man. And so it had, it had been that long since I had written, well, I had never written a research paper. Like the first time I had to sit down and write a, an APA style research paper, I mean, I was, I, I probably burned Google down that night, like trying to figure out the, the formats and all that stuff, man. Um, so yeah, like that part of it was tough, but then, yeah, it's a, it's a good school and they're, and, and they're tough on you in the classroom. So, um, it was, it was challenging. Did you, did the other kids look at you? Did the other kids, did the kids look at you like you're a unicorn? Like you, I mean, <laughs> so the first like three weeks of school, um, people thought I was either a professor or that I was a coach. Like, cause I would wear, like I had like the CBU branded stuff, like golf shirt or whatever. And so I think they just assumed that I was a, a basketball coach or the new golf coach, like whatever. Um, nobody there thought I was a student until like, except the people that were in class with me every day. Like I had like five classes or whatever it was. And those people obviously knew, but like just walking into the cafeteria to grab lunch before I headed off to practice, like there's this crowded cafeteria full of kids that like they're calling me sir and, and, and professor and all this stuff. The first two golf tournaments we went to in the fall, we show up the day of the practice round. We, we get off the bus. We're unpacking stuff, walking up to, you know, up to the clubhouse. And like, I would get called coach by kids on the other teams because they didn't know. Um, until the next day when we're standing on the first tee together and they're like, wait a second. I'm like, why, why do you have clubs? And I'm like, I'm playing today, man. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was like, I, I don't know if they looked at me like I was a unicorn, but they definitely knew like something's like, this is different. Like we like, why is this 40 year old guy walking around campus every day with a, with a backpack on? Um, how did they react when they heard the story that you're a five combat tour veteran that, you know, <laughs> Well, so there were, I, I stayed in some apartments, like right on the corner of campus where all the grad students lived. And, um, and, and CBU was kind enough to put me over there instead of like in a freshman dorm. Uh, I, I got to live over there with the, the more mature crowd. Um, and there were, there were some of them over there. Like I, I had a 19 year old kid for a roommate. Like we had a two bedroom apartment and I had this 19 year old kid as a roommate from France who played on the tennis team. He was there working on his master's Chuck at 19. And I was like, I'm 40 years old and I'm over here. Like I'm a freshman in college. Uh -huh. This kid's getting his master's what's going on. Uh -huh. Um, but he had so many questions about everything. Like it was his first time in America. I took him to Walmart for the first time. It was the first time he'd ever been to Walmart. And, uh, I took him to the scariest one I could find. I kid you not. I did it on purpose and scared the crap out of this kid. And, uh, <laughs> But like they, but they, when they, when they, like he found out that I, that I'd been in the army for 20 years and, and all this stuff and I'd been to combat and everything. And, and that like those, they all, I think they almost felt safer at times. Like, like I had my car broken into at one point or not broken into, but they tried to like cut a, cut the catalytic converter off my car and the campus police stopped them in the, in the, in the process. But there were a couple of incidents of like people lingering around the building or whatever. And they would come and knock on my door and be like, Hey, can you go check this out? And I'm like, yeah, I got you, man. <laughs> You've so, been knocking down yeah. doors in Afghanistan, no, man. No big, no big deal. Handle a couple of Memphis guys. Yeah. Or? So I was like the, I was like the, the apartment 
security guy slash 40-year-old golfer slash guy trying to figure out how to write an English research paper. Like, that was that was me. So, you played golf, for people who don't know, golf is two seasons. There's a fall season and then the spring season, which is the money season, yep. which that counts. Uh, I saw your scoring average in fall. You were terrible. It was bad. Uh, I, I don't even have anything to add to that. It was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you shot, you averaged over 76. 76.8. Oh, nearly 77. Yeah. How many strokes are you going to give me next time we play? Um, <laughs> if I keep doing that, I, I would have to give you a couple probably. Uh, but um, so so you're, you're struggling on the classroom. You're struggling in, in, on the golf course. When you came home for Christmas, were you like, let's go, I'm done? Well, it was, I was really, I felt that way before I came home for, for winter break. And it was really, I, I was struggling in the classroom and struggling on the golf course because I was struggling at home. Like there was so much stuff going on back here. And then even in North Carolina where my mom lives, um, my youngest, they, he, he got, they got, we got called and, and he had to leave school because the kid that sits next to him had COVID. Um, so my wife gets him, brings him home. They go get tested. They both had COVID. And then the other kids, we, they get tested. Everybody had it. So everybody in my house back here has COVID now. And this is like late September. Um, it got so bad for my wife that my 18 year old son had to take her to the hospital one night like they were so we your, were that in, worried about you're checked out living the college life yeah and so like i'm four hours or 400 miles away six hours away and i'm talking him through like hey take her to the emergency room this is what they're going to ask for this and i'm talking my 18 year old son through this stuff um and that was number one like that was time number one that i thought i'm done with this man like i gotta go back home um she, she spent a little bit of time in the hospital that night. They felt good enough to send her home, like, early in the morning. She came back home. And it was, like, another rough few days, but she, she started feeling better, and we kind of got through that. And then it was, a, like, a couple of weeks later, my mom and my stepdad, they both get COVID. He's already dealing with, the, with esophageal cancer at the time. And so, like, that compounded. And then a few weeks, almost a month or so after that, he passed away. And I, I go back to North Carolina for like five or six days and do all the funeral stuff. And, and I'm there with my mom for a little bit. And so the fall got really, really stressful. And it was like, it just felt like stuff just kept piling on and piling on. And I, I never felt like I got a chance to focus on the golf stuff and the, the classroom stuff like I wanted to. Um, so yeah, I came home from I came home from school for winter break and and there were definitely conversations about like I don't know if I want to go back. I don't know if I want to do a spring semester of this and and have all this other stuff getting thrown at me. And but you did. And yeah. the golf came together in the spring and you played very well. I mean, you finished in the top 12 in the Gulf South Conference tournament, right? Yeah, finished finished 12th at the Gulf South Conference tournament. Um I had a top 10, uh, like ended up with like four top 15s in the spring in the six tournaments that we played, but it was really top 15. I have a hundred or so golfers. Yeah. And, and, and so the thing is like in the spring, I felt so freed up. Like I feel like that we kind of got a reset during winter break when I was back here for almost a little over a month. And, and my, and my wife, man, 
I, and I told you this when I was on the last time. Like, I couldn't do any of this without her, man. But she she literally sat me down, and she was like, I'm not going to let you quit this. Like, we're good back here. I know we I know we had a little bit of a rough go of it early on, but, like, we're, we're fine. And you got to go and see this thing through and, and do this. Um, and so I did. I went back, and the first couple of weeks, I just, like, I can remember, like, just checking my phone constantly, like just waiting to get that text message that something had happened or this was going wrong or whatever. And it never came. And so I played, I played freer. I like in the classroom, like I felt like this burden, like I, I just felt free to focus all my attention on that stuff finally. And, um, so yeah, I had a good spring. I played well, um, did, did well in the classroom and, um, and, and everybody survived back here. Like all, all the kids were fine. And, and, and they, the other part of this is like, they love that thing. Like every time I get to talk to them, like on the way home from a tournament or whatever, they're excited to find out how dad did. And, and they want to know, like, did you, did you kick their butt? Like, did you kick a bunch of kids butts? And they're like, yeah, I kicked some of their butts. And, but it, like it, the spring was a complete 180 from the fall. Like I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go back and get some more in the fall, this, this coming fall. And in a normal world, you would be going back to, to Christian brothers, but, with the transfer portal, which we hear so much about in basketball and football, transfer portal is also a thing in golf, right? Yeah. You you Even. went into the transfer portal. <laughs> why did you do it? I mean, I mean, why after such a good year at Christian Brothers did you say, I'm going to leave this Division II school in Memphis? So the thing that, that maybe only a couple of people really knew about was – like I had had these, even uh, like the last couple of tournaments, like the, for really the last month or so that I was there, um, my wife and I had been having conversations and the plan was that her and the kids were going to move up there. Um, obstacle number one was she worked here at Fort Benning. She's, she's got a new job now and she works remote and, and still doing the paralegal stuff, but she works remote. Like she works from home every day now. And so like that freed us up to be able to make a move. The problem is, I don't know how much you pay attention to the economy, but like, like housing is skyrocketed and gas and, and like everything has skyrocketed. And we spent that last month or so talking about it. And, and we came to the decision that financially it was not in our best interest to pick everything up and move to Memphis, especially because like my goal is when I'm, when I'm done playing college golf, I, I want to get into coaching so we're going to be there for three years, and then who knows? Like, we're, we're going to have to pick up and move again because I, I find a job somewhere else or whatever. And so it just it didn't seem reasonable or financially responsible to pick them up and move them. And so we decided together that I was going to enter the transfer portal in hopes of finding something closer to here, closer to Columbus, Georgia. Um, even if that meant still living on campus, you know, a couple hours away, but being able to commute back and forth on the weekends and, and, and stuff like that and spend a little bit more time at home, like during, during school, um, Who'd you talk to that was close to Columbus, man, I talked to, I talked to Troy and Mercer and I, I, I talked to some folks at Columbus state. Um, I, I talked to about everybody I could, outside of the Gulf South Conference. And now <laughs> and now you weren't a pipe dream. You weren't this 40-year-old vet trying to get in. You were a guy who averaged in the 
you know, 74 and change. Yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, you had a, you had a, you had a resume. You had a college golf resume. Then. Yeah, I think, well, the conversations that I had with some of those coaches, one of the things that got brought up a lot was, because they see all that stuff on golf stat. They know what my score and average was. Um, I played eight tournament rounds in the fall, and I averaged 76.8 in eight rounds. In the spring, I played 15 tournament rounds and averaged like 74.2. Like, not a whole lot of college golfers shave almost three strokes off their scoring average, especially if they double the amount of rounds they play the next semester. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think they saw that there was a lot of improvement there and that I had – I'm, I'm starting to get the wheels spinning a little bit and figure this thing out. numbers don't lie. Yeah, I'm, I mean – I don't. I don't think it was. I don't think anybody doubted that I was a little bit of a project going in. Like, never had a golf coach. Never had any kind of formal instruction. Like, I was the. Like, I taught myself how to play this game watching YouTube videos. For God's sake, like, it was going to be a little bit of a project. There was going to be some work that had to be done, and um, and so those coaches, I think they all recognized that. The problem was that it was May. And they're all done recruiting, man. Like, they've recruited their guys for next year, and they know who they've got leaving and coming in, and and budgets are being set and all this stuff. Um, and nobody had room. There was no room at the end for, for the 40-year-old dude, man. Um, and so I talked to a couple of other schools, uh, and this was really honest to God. It was kind of a last resort thing. Talked to some schools that were in the Gulf South. Um, which is where Christian Brothers play. Yeah, same conference as Christian Brothers. And, and their schools like Valdosta, West Georgia, people that are close to us. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even like Shorter, which is in Rome, yeah, Georgia, yeah. Montevallo's in Birmingham. So like all of them are in kind of a two, three hour radius where I'd be able to get back and forth. To, I mean, four hundred miles in six hours. I mean, when you get out of class and go to practice on Friday and then get on the road and don't get in until early in the morning on Saturday morning, you get to spend the day Saturday and you got to turn around and drive right back on Sunday. Like, that's tough. I didn't get to come home very much from Memphis. Um, and so we were just looking for somewhere where I would be able to do that. And so, so yeah, I talked to some of those Gulf South teams and um, <laughs> that didn't pan out either uh, for other reasons. But can you talk about what those reasons are? Yeah. I mean, Coach didn't want me to go to a – he didn't want me to go somewhere in the conference. I mean, it's as simple as that. And So your coach at Christian Brothers, basically, which they have the right to do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's within their rights. It's within the conference rules that if, if, you have a, if you have a student athlete that's trying to transfer within the conference, the school they're leaving can have them sit out for a year. The problem for me is I've got four years of eligibility to play four years of golf. I don't have the fifth year like others do because I enrolled in school right out of high school for like a month, and that hurt me. And I had no idea it hurt me until I decided to do this. So I don't have a year to sit out. Um, so that's not really an option for me. But, yeah, they, they have that right. And, I, and, like, I've had a lot of people ask me over the last couple of weeks, am, am I mad about that decision? And I'm not, I'm not mad about it. I'm disappointed. Like, it stinks that I can't play somewhere closer to home. But, I mean, I get it. Like, so now you've got to look at it. The reason you were transferring was to get closer to Fort Mitchell, Alabama. Yeah. That's not going to happen now. So, (laughs) so now we're back at square one, trying to find somewhere to go play college golf, wherever that is. But (laughs) it's a little different now. As I said a minute ago, you got a resume. Yeah, and so and I kind of put it out on social media because because initially when I said I was transferring, I, I like I made it very clear that I was trying to get close to home. 
Um, and so after Christian Brothers decided I wasn't going to be able to transfer within the Gulf South, I, I went on social media and, and, and I basically just opened up my recruitment and said, hey, look, like, I don't care where you are. Like, if you're interested, let's talk because I'm, I'm open to going wherever. And I, and I had a lot of really good conversations, probably six or eight different coaches that got in touch with me. Um, I won't go into detail on all the schools, but like from Pennsylvania to Chicago to Texas to like, I mean, had, had a bunch of coaches call me up and want to talk. Um, and one of them was from Stephen F. Austin and in Nagadocious, Texas. Yeah. And spell Nagadocious. Not a chance. I still haven't figured it out. I know there's, there's a, it's like the C is before the G I think I'm, I'm, I'm trying, but I think what really piqued my interest, uh, when I got that phone call was that was different than all the other phone calls I'd had because they're Division One, and and I want to say this I don't care if it's Division One or Division Three or NAIA or whatever um, I've been around enough college golfers at this point like there are really good college players at all those levels uh, I just want to say that right off the bat but you know me like I'm I'm a sucker for a good story man and. <laughs> I got, like, once the idea got in my head, play, like, 40 years old, Army retired guy playing Division One golf, like, what could go wrong? Um, <laughs> but, but, but once we got on the phone and, and we talked a little bit, and, and, and he, he started selling me on the program, started selling me on East Texas and, and coming out that way. Because um, what is that, 700 miles? Uh, it might be a little bit. Of, it's like 10 hours, I think, so yeah. – uh, it, it might be a little over. So the guy trying to get closer to home went from six yeah. hours to so, ten hours. Yeah, now I'm four hours further away. And uh, but yeah, so like the more we talked, um, and, and and coaches, uh, he played at Stephen F. Austin, played his college golf there, and now he's the head coach there. And you and I were talking earlier. There's something about there's something about when you're at home, like when you're the when you're coaching at the place that kind of made you. It's easy to sell something you believe in yeah. and have lived. I, I feel like you I feel like you don't have to you don't have to wonder about if he's bought in. Like he's as bought in as anybody's ever gonna be to that program. Like he he helped build it, you know? Um and so yeah, so I mean he he didn't have to sell me very hard, honestly. Um I, I actually I had a visit scheduled. I was supposed to go out and do an official visit and the whole do the whole nine yards and we got on the phone one day, and uh, I just told him, I was like, Coach, I was like, why don't we just, like, we don't need to do all this. I was like, unless I come out there and you guys have got, like, dead bodies littered all over the golf course or something, like, like this is probably happening. Like, we can just save ourselves some time and effort, and I can stay here with my wife and kids for those extra three days over the summer, and no need to worry about it. So we didn't. And so verbally committed and then uh, actually just this afternoon I, I got the email with all my official stuff and signed it and sent it back and so you're a lumberjack i'm a lumberjack i've even got the beard man <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to go you know i've been writing about you now for seven or eight <laughs> years and every time i think okay this is it i won't get any crazier it gets crazier i know it's like you, you know, I just, I mean, I don't know what it is about you, but, you know, first of all, your wife's a saint. Teresa's, Absolutely. Teresa's a saint. To, to, for this thing to have spun the way it did, 
you couldn't have done this without a divorce lawyer or her consent, right? No way. Yeah, I mean, it will. Yeah, and I'm not going the divorce route. I got four kids, man. And I, everybody knows how expensive that would have gotten. So, but yeah, I mean, she, and even this process of, of deciding on Stephen F. Austin, like she was, we sat down one night and talked about it. And, and I looked her dead in the eye and, and I told her, I said, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't know if I can go that far away from you guys again and, and feel good about it. And we had one of those moments where she had to kind of smack me around or whatever. And she, and she just told me, she said, look, she said, this is going to play out one of two ways. You go and you play division one golf and you give it everything you've got and, and you come back and, and you're satisfied. She said, or I have to live with you sitting around the house, moping and feeling sorry for yourself 20 years from now, thinking about what might've happened or what you could have done. And she said, I'm not going to deal with that guy. She was like, what are you like? What are you going to tell the kids if you quit and don't go do this? Like, what are you going to say to, and, and then she just told me what made the most sense that I would be an idiot not to take this opportunity and go do this. And she's right. And so, yeah, man, I mean, I don't even like people say stuff all the time about how like you out kicked your coverage or whatever, man. I don't even know how to describe what I did because there aren't a whole lot of dudes married to a woman that would be okay with this. She, and she is. She's allowing you to pursue a dream as crazy as it sounds. I mean, you know, when you tell people what you're doing, they're going, what? <laughs> I'm saying that some days. You know, guys that are just walking out, out of the Army right now, I mean, you are a – you should be doing – your NIL deal, and let's start trying to get this. Your NIL deal needs to be with the U.S. Army. The, <laughs> yeah. the U.S. Army. Let's be a recruiter. No, yeah, no. You ought to be be all you can be and then go do something to where you can be all you can be. I mean, literally, you're the poster child for, for what, 20 years of service and then, you know, some people become a Columbus cop after 20 yeah. years of service. You know, or they go into jobs that are more in tune with what they did in the military. Yeah. You hadn't quite done that. Well, and that was kind of the other thing that she and I talked about. Um, like, that was that was really one of the main goals in doing this. Like, there were really three reasons that I wanted to play college golf. Like, to just get down to, like, why would you decide to do this? Reason number one is I love competition. And I, I love competitive golf like nothing else. Um, I, I played basketball and football. I played other sports growing up, but golf offers you that you don't, like. There's nobody else for you to rely on on the golf course. It's just you, man, and you like you get to find out like m mentally, like how tough are you when things go bad. And so I love competitive golf. That was reason number one. Reason number two was because over the course of twenty years, I watched. So many guys, whether it was retirement or, or ETS, whatever the case was, I watched all these guys exit the military without a plan, had no idea what they were going to do when they left. And I watched a lot of them really struggle for a long time until they figured it out. And not only struggle with, I mean, I've seen those guys too, and they struggle with their mental, physical, and emotional yeah. well-being. And, and, and then if it's not the guy that's struggling with putting together a plan when they get out, there's the other group of guys, and this is these are the guys that either were kind of pushed out for whatever reason, like the like 
I mean, that happened. Like, there were a lot of guys that the, the Q&P stuff sent a lot of guys out the door. And then, or guys that retire or whatever. And there's this mentality amongst veterans that, like, well, that's over. Like, that's, like, that's their identity was being a soldier and, and doing that. And they don't know, they don't know what to do. And they don't, they feel lost almost without that fraternity, without the military and that foundation. And so, like, I mean, you read about it all the time. Like, guys commit suicide. Like, they, they go into these states of depression because they don't know what to do. And that's all their identity is with that. And so, goal number two was hey, other veterans, like, the, getting out of the Army or the Marines or Navy or whatever, like, that's not the end of your life, man. Like, there are so many For more you, things. It's the beginning. Yeah, there's so much more to go do. Like, yeah. think what? about if I can go play college golf at 40 years old. The, it, like the possibilities are endless, really, you know? So, what was the third thing? And the third thing was my kids. I, I don't want to be the parent, and I've said this from day one, I don't want to be the parent that tucks his kids into bed every night and says, keep dreaming, you can do whatever you want. Like, I don't want to be the guy that tells them they can be whatever they want to be or they can do whatever they want to do. You're trying to like, show them. Yeah, I just want to show them you can do it. Like, Because I think we do that all the time, and I think it, it's kind of gotten to this, like, it's like just a cliche thing, man. Like we we tell our kids be dreamers or whatever, but we don't really ever like we just keep going to our nine to five and doing. And and I get it. Like some people, like I have the opportunity to do something else. I don't have to go sit behind a desk from nine to five and be that guy. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna do it differently. And I don't want to tell my kids that. I want to show them. Like, look, if Dad can go play college golf at forty years old. Think about all the things that you can do. When you play a college round, is it twosome, threesome, foursome? So we did it a couple of different ways, mostly in threesomes, though. You're, you're probably going to play with two other guys. And they're not from your team? No, playing with guys from other teams. So what did it feel like to stand on the first tee, and have, particularly the first day of a tournament, and have some kid size you up and go, man, I'm fixing to spank the old man? They never did. So honest to God, like I – there was a part of me that thought that some of those guys were one of two things was going to happen. They either, they were going to be intimidated playing with an older guy or they were going to try to intimidate me. Um, cause look, man, like those 18, 19, 20 year old dudes, like they hit it a long way, man. Like golf has changed o over the 20, 30, the last 20, 30 play, years. And y'all are playing from the tip. Yeah. And so what they didn't, I think what they didn't expect was when they're standing on that first tee and they and they bust one down the middle, I don't think they expected for us to walk down the fairway and stop at their ball first. And I like and I think I won some of them over that way. Like, oh you're man, out, like you're the, out driving. Oh yeah. There were there were very few of those kids that just blew it past me. Now there were some that just really blew it past me, but there were very few of them that could do that. And there were some of them that you know kind of hit it out there. But man, I hit it. I hit it a long way, and I hit it past a lot of those guys. And I think there was a part of that that, like, like early on in those rounds, and I got to know a lot of them. Like the guys that played within the conference, like you see them, you know, week in and week out. Kind of. Did they embrace you? They did. Like it was, it, it was fun. Like we would get to tournaments. Like, and my teammates kind of picked on me because we would get off the bus, and I would walk over to the putting green before we'd go play a practice round, and I'd start dapping the guys up from other teams like because we'd all played together so much at that point in the spring. And and my teammates would give me grief about it. And I was like, I'm like, I'm just I'm a friendly dude. What do you want me to say? Um, 
But yeah, like I think I kind of I earned their respect a little bit. Like I think a lot of them. I don't know. I don't know if they expected me to like try to play from the senior tees or what, but I think <laughs> so. I, you didn't get to play from the goal. No, I, I had to play from where they did. But I, but again, I think I, I think I earned a lot of their respect. You know, just that part of it, and then the guys that I had never played with before. Like we obviously would talk. Like they would all they all wanted to know. Like how'd you get here? Like why are you playing college <laughs> golf right now? I and mean, I'd tell them. You know, and and um and they were they were all super cool about it. Like I didn't. Literally every kid that I played with this past year, I'd go play another round with them right now. Like they were all great. Um, Did you ever? Some of them ever say, you know, hey, my dad or my uncle was in the service. Oh, I had a few of them. So, did, did you get some of that? We we played a tournament in Athens, Alabama, at the Cambridge Club, and uh, I played with a kid from Montevallo, and he was telling me about it was either it was like his uncle or his grandpa, somebody they worked on military aircraft. It just so happens that day. We get two military military helicopters that fly over the golf course while we're playing. One was a one was a Black Hawk, and the other was the uh, uh, the Chinook. We saw both of them that day on the golf course, and so as as soon as we saw the Black Hawk, I just kind of looked over at him, and he was like UH sixty, and I was like, "My guy knows his stuff. This is good." And, and we and so we had conversations about I can't remember if it was his uncle or grandpa, but one of them worked on military aircraft or something, and. Um, but yeah, that was that was super fun. And there were other guys that like they had family members that had served and and you know, I got I had guys that told me about their grandpas that fought in World War II or it was awesome, man. Like it was um I enjoyed listening to their stories and and them talking about the veterans and their family as much as they enjoyed talking to me, I think. You know, you learned about yourself in war. You learned about how you react when you were in stressful situations under enemy fire. What did 25 competitive rounds of golf on courses throughout the South teach you about you? There was, I think, the day that it all finally clicked for me. So our first tournament of the spring, we played in Tunica, Mississippi. It was raining sideways. and one legal to go gamble. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was raining sideways and like 45 degrees. Um, and I very intentionally wore shorts that day. And when we walked out of the hotel, like coach took one look at me and he was like, dude, have you been outside yet? And I was like, I'm ready. I, I, I had shorts on and I had a rain jacket that was a short sleeve rain jacket. Um, we got to the golf course and I, I can tell you this, I was chilly. Um, I would have never told any of them that. And I never let on that I was that. I, I wanted everybody at that golf course that day to know I'm the toughest dude here. Like, you might be a better player than I am, but I'm tougher than you, man. And so I played in 45 degrees and sideways rain in shorts and short sleeves and went out and battled. And I think I finished, like, tied for 11th or something in that tournament. A um, couple of weeks later, we played our home tournament, and I got my first top 10. But it took a couple of tournaments after that, the same tournament there in Athens at Cambridge. Um, first round, I didn't play all that great. I think I shot 74. Um Second round, and we check our phones all the time because we're doing, like, live scoring updates. Like, you have to put in your scores on the app after every hole or whatever. And so I look as I'm putting in the scores, and I had a, there was a text message in our group chat from Coach. Um, one of our guys had been sick all morning and wasn't going to play the second round. So you got five dudes and four scores count. And our one of our guys just got taken off the golf course because he's uh, everybody sick. Everybody counts. So now all four scores matter. 
Um, and I, I played the first couple of holes of that second round a little bit tight. And then I started on the 12th hole that day, made five straight pars, and then I birdied 18, and then I birdied one, and then I birdied two, and then I birdied three, four, and four. Five hundred. I, I, I birdied eight out of nine holes in that stretch between 18 and, and eight. Um, and, and the whole time I'm watching the live scoring stuff. And I'm not only am I watching my name climb the leaderboard, I'm watching the team climb the leaderboard. We shot a school record – for uh, like we set the single round record as a team that day with four guys, and that was the day. Like I, I remember sitting back after that second round when we were all done and thinking to myself, like, "You can do this, man. Like you're you're gonna be okay." And that like that was the day that it all sunk in. And, and I and, and I told myself like wh- whatever the issues we had in the fall and and me you know literally trying to learn how to play this game, especially tournament golf. Like those guys are. Even at 18 years old, they've all played more tournaments than I have. Like with all the junior golf and stuff that they do nowadays, um, they, all those guys were you don't prepared. qualify for the future masters. Yeah, right? so um, so I knew I was behind the eight ball, but that was the day that it sunk in. Like, okay, like you're you're going to be all right, man. You you can do this. So now you go to Stephen F. Austin. They're a mem- member of the Western Athletic Conference, pretty good league, Division One yeah. league. So now, instead of playing courses in Tunica, Mississippi, <laughs> Mississippi, and Athens, Alabama, you're going to be playing in Scottsdale and Dallas, and in in California. The cool thing, though, I, so I have played a little bit of Arizona golf. The All Army tournament yeah. was there in 2019, the Armed Forces Championship, uh, and I loved it, man. Arizona golf is super fun, but I haven't really played. Out that well, we in 2016 we played in San Antonio, um, but East Texas is different. East Texas isn't really a lot different from where we're at right now. Like the, the, they're the lumberjacks. Like that's not just like a random mascot that they pulled off a shelf. Like the forestry industry is huge over there in East Texas, and and they have like there are people that come from all over the country to go to school at Stephen F. Austin for that, for like forestry. for forestry. Um, and so I'm going to get to see, like, when we're at home, I'm going to get to see a lot of similar golf courses to what I play now. But I'm, and I can't wait to go and, and play out west a little bit and go and go try some new courses out. Like, w- w- Seattle University is in our conference, and I hope we get to go play up there. Like, I want to, if for nothing else, I just want to go see the Pacific Northwest, man. Like, that's, like, the only little corner of the country that I've never been in, and I want to go check that out. So, um yeah, I'm I'm pumped about it. I'm super excited. I'm most excited that we have a football team. Like I'm I'm going to a place. Christian Brothers didn't have a football team. They had basketball, baseball, all that stuff. Didn't have a football team. I get to go to football games on Saturdays and like root for my team. Like I have a team now. I, and you know I love basketball. The place where I'm going to be staying is literally right across the street from the basketball arena. Like how much better does it get for a guy like me? So I'm. Uh, I'm excited, man, about the golf stuff, about the college stuff, about going to basketball games. We all get axe handles. I'm I'm pumped, man. So what do you want to do with this? If you can get through three more years of college golf and earn a degree, what's the end game here? Well, I mean, it's really – the end game is to I want to coach. And we've got our good buddy Chip Siegel to thank for that. Yeah. Um, the, the four years that I spent with him and Coach Story at Lynette, and 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 coaching football with them um i knew when i retired from the army 
the part of that that I was going to miss was the teaching, mentoring, coaching, and being around young people. Because, like, the guys that I was in contact with every day are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. That's what I dealt with in the Army. And, and I knew I was going to miss that part of it. And so the college golf thing, that's been cool, like being around those, those guys and being able to be the, the mentor to them even. Um, but I want to get into coaching, and, and I would love to coach college golf. Like, that's what I really want to do. And so that's the end game. But before that, like at the end of the next three years, I've had people ask me, like, is there a chance you'll keep trying to play golf? Absolutely. If I, if I think at the end of the next three years that I could play competitive golf, and, and whether it's like mini tours or whatever – I love competing, man. And so if I feel like I can go do that, then yeah, I'll absolutely go do that. And if I don't feel like I can do that, then I'm going to go to work. Like I'm going to find somebody that wants the hardest working assistant coach they've ever had. And I want to go get started. So that's really like, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to coach. I, I love being around young people and being able to influence them in, in a positive way. We're getting near the end of this and you know, I know you well, I know your story well. Part of your story is Corey Hood. Yeah. Uh, Corey was a member of the Golden Knights who died in an uh, accident uh, in a uh, in a jump into Chicago in what? 20, 2015. 2015. Yep. Changed your life. Um, yeah. Uh, I, know, I know even though he's not here, you still talk to Corey. What do you think Corey is saying right now about what, about, I mean, because, I mean, he was an elite jumper, yeah. one, one of the Army's best. What's he saying about what you're doing right now? Well, Corey, so I remember when I was doing the all-Army golf stuff, he would text me. Like, he texted me, uh, I think it was 2014, the second time I went and did it. He sent me a text while I was there in, in San Antonio, and he said, you know that like we're the two luckiest dudes in the Army, right? And Because he got to jump out of airplanes every day, and I got to go and play golf like in my spare time in the Army. And um, the, the two people that I think about the most with this college golf thing are Corey and my dad. Because my dad, like I, I grew up going to the golf course with him, and that was like how we got away, and that's, that's where we spent time together. And so I – I wonder, like, I know dad would just be proud. Like, he'd, yeah. he'd just be proud. Corey, I'm telling you. Would, he'd, be, he'd be on your bag he, he would be the biggest Stephen F. Austin lumberjack fan you've ever met. Like, he would, he, I'm, I'm telling you, Corey would already have been online and bought all the purple shirts he could find with, with lumberjacks written on it. Like, he was, Corey was my biggest fan, and I was always his biggest fan. Like, that's just, like, that's the way we were. Um, so I don't, I don't really, I don't have to wonder what Corey would say. Do you still think about him every day? Oh, absolutely. Like I, like I, I think about him like in those moments, like at that tournament and, and at Cambridge, like I thought about him that day, like, and I, and I, just, I, I remember wondering to myself, I, I thought about him and my dad, like in the middle of making eight birdies and nine holes, I'm thinking about those two and just hoping like whatever you believe or whatever God you believe in or whatever. Like I, I believe the two of them were watching that day and I just hoped that they were having as much fun that day as I was, man. And I, like, I, I think about the two of them all the time, but, but Corey, he was the biggest sports fan. I know like a bigger sports fan than me. And so he'd be over the, as, as soon as he would have found out I was in the transfer portal, I would have got a text. 
And he'd have been like, well, you think you're some 18, 19 year old kid? You think you're a big shot? Like he, that's who he was, man. He would have gave me some grief over that thing. Um, but yeah, he would, uh, he'd be eating this up, man. Like he would, he'd be having a ball. Well, we're at the end of this and I'm, 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 I'm going to do, you've been gone for a year now, I guess. I'm going to do what I normally do with everybody else. I've done it with you before. Turn the tables. You got a question you want to ask me? So I saw a picture. You sent this to me in private. I don't know if anybody else yeah. has seen it. Of you holding a certain trophy. Was that was that the real one? No. I'll tell you oh. the story. I'll tell you the story later. <laughs> uh, but no, no. No, I, I just got back from LA and uh and uh and um, <laughs> had, had an unbelievable L.A. experience. Uh, I was lunching in Malibu with an NFL general manager. That's, isn't that a normal way thing you do on a Sunday afternoon? Just, we're just a couple of normal guys, Chuck, <laughs> doing normal guy things. That's what we do. You know, part of the reason is you and I have a personality, share a personality. Some people call it a flaw, but you and I will talk to anybody. Yeah. You, it's all about the story with me, and it's kind of all about the story with you. Well, it, when now it's all about the story for me, but before this whole college golf thing, like I, I liked listening to the stories. I was like, that's why I liked. That's why. I, that's why me and you became friends, man. Um, that's why me and Chip are such good friends. Chip's one of the best storytellers I know, oh, yeah. and so yeah, it's always about the story. I love hearing. I love talking to people and finding out what's going on with them. So, well, you know. Your story's not over, not by a long shot. I mean, I fully expect this to end in about fourteen years <laughs> on a on the eighteenth hole of the senior PGA championship with you raising a trophy. I'd be okay. I'd be all right with that. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, you you had, you are in such an unbelievable spot. And you put yourself there because of a you dreamed, you went after your dreams, but you also worked your. Can I say ass? I mean, you already did. <laughs> you worked your butt off. You worked. You, you worked your butt off, and I mean, you know, in all all credit to you, all credit to I appreciate you. Appreciate it. Um, let's keep this story alive. Let's see where it goes. Uh, I got to figure out what I'm going to do next. Like what, what do I do next to get Chuck's attention and, and then have him invite me over? <laughs> I had no telling. Me. Well, we're at a point of this podcast now where I thank Jonathan for being here. Jonathan Shusky, a, as of this afternoon, a Stephen F. Austin lumberjack golfer, 40 years old, U S army veteran stories. Don't get any better than this. Now, you can listen to the Chuck Williams Show and watch it on WRBL.com Tuesday nights from 7 to 8 p.m. We also are on all your traditional podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, and iHeart. And then social media. We do social media. You do a little social media, don't you, Jonathan? A little bit. (laughs) Uh, Twitter at Chuck Williams. Facebook, Chuck Williams WRBL. Instagram, Chuck Williams 0999. Our guest has been Jonathan Shusky. Retired Army Sergeant, college golfer. Thanks for being with us. We hope you'll come back next week for another edition of the Chuck Williams Show.